culture to politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth, a great nation that may be experiencing another change in direction, at least in terms of the direction the winds are blowing. And no, I'm not talking about uh, Hurricane Ian. I'm talking about the political winds which had been blowing, we were told, in a democratic direction because of the abortion issue. That's been the story for the last three to four weeks. But all of a sudden, uh, the New York Times in their upshot section, and I mention the New York Times because this is not a conservative want to, uh, to believe. It's not a conservative wish fulfillment kind of thing. It is the report by the nation's leading liberal newspaper uh, that says that uh, headline, political winds might be blowing in Republicans' favor again. And there's also in the Washington Post uh, a terrific article by Mark Thiessen, who's been a guest on the show many times, an article by Mark Thiessen that says uh, if Democrats believe that the abortion issue is going to save them in the election coming up, they're decidedly wrong, and he can prove it, and he does. Uh, there's something else that's decidedly wrong. Uh, it's decidedly wrong when Americans believe that the ultimate happiness, the ultimate achievement, the ultimate joy that you can have in life is becoming a celebrity, winning uh, the adoration of crowds. There is a new book. It is called Killing the Legends, the lethal danger of celebrity and it's a very different book in the killing series uh, the uh, by Bill O'Reilly and Bill is going to be joining us about some of the dangers of celebrity even some of the dangers of political celebrity and the way that that might influence the uh, coming election in 2022 and then the election in 2024. We'll also be talking a little bit about the fentanyl epidemic. Uh, what is to be done about this? Most of the fentanyl seems to be coming from China, at least according to many of the reports, and coming across the southern border. Is there something that could be done to protect the close to 100,000 people who are dying yearly from fentanyl and what about the rainbow fentanyl so-called is that really made to appeal to children how appalling and how disgusting 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number uh, we um, right now the US Embassy in Russia is telling Americans to leave the country. Uh, that when you have a leader who's talking about using nuclear weapons, uh, then you don't want to be in the country when the rest of the world, which together has more nuclear weapons than Russia, and uh, you don't want to be in in Russia in a during a nuclear exchange. I don't think you want to be anywhere. I don't think we want a nuclear exchange. But there's also a report that Russian men are fleeing mobilization, uh, leaving everything behind. What's fascinating about that and so important is that in the 
the old days, in the days leading up to World War One, and then at the beginning of World War One, uh, one of the things that drove so many people to leave Russia and to immigrate to the United States, including people in my my family, was that they had a 25-year en enlistment. It wasn't enlistment. They basically forced you to serve in the Tsar's army. And uh, for Jewish people in particular, it was very difficult because there was no ability uh, while you were serving the Tsar's army to follow uh, kosher laws, Jewish dietary laws, or uh, Jewish holiday observance or Sabbath observance, nothing. You had to give it up. And you were, of course, victimized by the endemic anti-Semitism of the Tsarist regime. So with all of that, we are back to a situation where uh, one of the things that happened in a hundred years ago in Russia and, and more was uh, that there were people who went into the business of breaking bones and causing uh, crippling injuries that would keep people out of this 25-year death sentence, basically, by serving in the Tsar's army. That apparently has reemerged. There are all kinds of efforts to dodge the mobilization to a war that uh, that Russia increasingly is going to find it difficult to win. The uh, reports are that uh, some reports say a minimum of 100,000 Russians have already flooded neighboring countries to uh, flee an army call-up. And the White House says the U.S., welcomes Russian asylum seekers. Uh, if Russian asylum seekers come to this country, uh, will they get a free trip to Martha's Vineyard, courtesy, courtesy of Ron DeSantis? You don't have to come to Florida for that. You can come to San Antonio, Texas, and uh, or pretty much anywhere. And uh, I, I, um, I'm not so sure that's going to work out. Uh, okay, first of all, a piece, speaking of Ron DeSantis, uh, more and more pieces, and we'll get to that, that uh, the race is not going to be Biden versus Trump. It's going to be DeSantis uh, versus Gavin Newsom. Is that true? Uh, Gavin Newsom has one terrific issue working for him right now, just emerged today, which we will get to. And it involves uh, one of the evil, convicted Palestinian terrorists who uh, is still serving time for committing murder. And uh, Gavin Newsom on the right side not letting out uh, Sirhan Sirhan, the killer of Robert Kennedy. We will get to that also on the Medjet Show. But first off, this piece by Nate Cohn, who runs The Upshot, which is the the Upshot provides news analysis and graphics about politics, policy, and everyday life. And uh, basically, what they have as a subheading is economy overtakes abortion, average weekly search interest. And the average weekly search interest shows that people just aren't nearly as interested in abortion as they were in July when that was a big news and that right now the economy and immigration 
and crime, which are issues that should work very strongly for the Republican Party, have well overtaken anything about uh, abortion right now. And uh, there's, there's also proof that even gubernatorial candidates, uh, Republican governors who have signed very tough abortion bills, bills banning all abortions beyond six weeks of pregnancy, the governors in that situation are doing fine. The Republicans who seem to be in trouble are in trouble for other means than the abortion issue. Uh, how does that work? We will get to that. We will also be speaking about the dangers of celebrity, some of the dangers of releasing great big expensive Hollywood movies. Uh, box office was pretty terrible over this uh, past weekend. Uh, we will be getting to that as well on the Michael Medved show. Uh, the bottom line in the New York Times analysis, it's remarkable with the national environment seemingly shifting towards issues where Republicans have the edge. It wouldn't be surprising if we started to see a few more signs of Republican enthusiasm advantage. And that is a key factor. If uh, you represent that enthusiasm advantage, you can give us a call, 1-800-955-1776. Michael Medved show, uh, Nate Cohn states that uh, for most of the summer, President Biden and the Democrats had the political winds at their backs, which is not the best uh, metaphor to use on the day of the terrible, terrible hurricane, uh, which is uh, approaching Florida. But, uh, and, and by the way, it, it seems to me extraordinary that President Biden uh, hasn't uh, just sort of leaped into the breach into this this hurricane situation. Do you remember how much uh, President Obama was helped by Hurricane Sandy in 2012 when he was running for re-election against a guy named Mitt Romney? And uh, it was really, according to most analyses, it was in a very close election. It was the hurricane conduct and the hug from Chris Christie and Obama going out and witnessing the damage that uh, right before the election uh, changed things around. Well, right now the hurricane doesn't appear yet to have blown anybody anyway, but uh, it says that uh, Democrats saw their poll numbers rising over the summer. Uh, as gas prices fell, as the Supreme Court refocused voters on abortion, and as the January 6th hearings and the investigation into Donald J. Trump's handling of classified documents turned the uh, media's attention back toward an unpopular former president rather than the unpopular current president. But with six weeks until this November's midterm elections, there are a few signs that the political winds may have begun to shift in a different direction, one that might help Republicans over the final stretch. 
the uh, political spotlight may be drifting back toward issues where Republicans have an advantage, like the economy, immigration, and crime. It can be difficult to discern these kinds of subtle shifts in the national mood, writes Nate Cohn at the Upshot at the New York Times. But Google search trends offer a decent rough measure. For the first time since the Dobbs ruling overturning Roe v. Wade, Google searches for the economy and immigration have overtaken searches about abortion. Searches for uh, democracy or the January 6th hearings have also fallen. It's still too early to say whether this subtle shift in the electorate attention will uh, work to the advantage of Republicans to extend the political wins analogy. Maybe the pro-democratic wins have subsided, yielding a relatively stable political environment that won't do much to nudge the polls in either direction. Indeed, the uh, polls uh, haven't moved much at all over the last few weeks. However, the uh, so-called generic ballot polls, which ask whether voters prefer Democrats or Republicans, haven't really changed quite yet. Uh, Democrats still enjoy a slight lead, according to 538. But this weekend, two new polls showed Republicans with a lead among likely voters, including an ABC Washington Post poll showing Republicans up by five percentage points among likely voters. It may prove to be an outlier, or perhaps it's the first sign of a material shift in the race. The point about this poll and why it's so important, an ABC Washington Post poll, is the gap. If that point gap, five-point gap, actually is the way people vote, then because of the way seats are apportioned, this means the Republicans will gain over 20 seats, probably over 30 seats, more than enough to capture the House, and it also gives them a, an excellent chance of holding the Senate. The, um, the interesting part about this is uh, the ABC Washington Post poll a five-point lead, uh, the ABC Washington Post poll wasn't the only measure of the race on Sunday. CBS News found Republicans ahead by one point among likely voters, 46% to 45%. And this comes in a situation where generally most of these polls, and everyone has acknowledged this, tend to overestimate the Democratic performance and to underestimate the uh, Republican performance. The uh, surveys do appear to have one thing in common. They show Republicans enjoying a turnout advantage. This again is a report in the New York Times. In the CBS News poll, Republicans were five points likelier than Democrats to say they would definitely vote. 79% to 74%. Now both of those are huge turnouts if that comes true. I mean, again, it shows that people, as they were in 2020, in that very heated election, there was record turnout, best turnout in 100 years. This could be the best turnout for a midterm election ever, if it comes out to be 79% to 74%. Similarly, ABC News found 81% of Republicans absolutely certain that they will vote, 
What percentage of Democrats? 75%. And look, how do you explain this difference? Uh, I, I think right now many people are voting going to vote because they're ticked off. They're very ticked off the way things are going in this country. They have been for months and months and months reporting 75% and upwards of people who think we're headed in the wrong direction. It's tough to get really enthusiastic with the people in power when you believe the country's headed in the wrong direction. And by the way, I think that uh, we didn't get a chance to give him as many props as he deserved on this. Kevin McCarthy handled that commitment to America with the four different uh, areas where the Republicans were pledging action. I think he did a good job with that. And it does indicate that there would be a change, a shift to some extent, if Republicans took over one or both houses of the Congress. And uh, the uh, New York Times says, these numbers are a pretty different story from our last New York Times Siena poll, which was finishing up about two weeks ago. In our survey, 51% of Democrats said they were almost certain to vote, compared with 52% of Republicans. Republicans still higher even two weeks ago. In part, as a result, the Times-Siena poll did not find an especially stark difference between likely and registered voters. Democrats clung to a one-point lead, 47 to 46%, compared with their two-point edge among registered voters. The difference between likely voters, the people a pollster thinks will actually go to the polls, and the broader population of adults or registered voters is always an important factor, but it's especially important in midterm elections. So what about this belief that abortion was going to change everything? How do we know that's not true? I'll tell you, uh, coming up, on the Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, Mark Thiessen, writing for the Washington Post. He's a syndicated columnist. He's a former speechwriter for President George W. Bush. He says straight out and then makes the case brilliantly and everybody should focus on this because as people are getting terribly nervous about what is going on and all of the demonstrations and all of the hysteria about the abortion issue, uh, this puts it in context. Mark Thiessen writes, abortion is not going to save Democrats this November. To see why, just look at the Georgia governor's race. There are a bunch of other races, too, you could look at the same way. But here's what he says about Georgia. Georgia is a purple state that handed Joe Biden the presidency and handed Democrats control of the U.S. Senate. It's not true, really, that Georgia handed Joe Biden the presidency because even if President Trump had carried Georgia, he still would have been 20 points below where he needed to be in terms of electoral votes, 20 electoral votes below. But it was a, one of the decisive states, along with Arizona and Pennsylvania and Michigan. In any event, uh, Georgia handed Joe Biden the presidency and Democrats control the U.S. Senate. In June, the U.S. Supreme Court ruling in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization sent abortion decisions back to the states. 
that put this issue squarely in the hands of uh, governors like Republican Brian Kemp, who signed a 2019 law, which went into effect in July, that bans abortion in Georgia after the sixth week of pregnancy. Since the high court's ruling, Bloomberg reports, the number of women signing up to vote in Georgia has outpaced men by six points, with Democrats, quote, uh, benefiting as the abortion issue pushes to the forefront. That should have spelled doom for Brian Kemp, right? Yet, according to the New York Times, Georgia Democrats have grown increasingly pessimistic about Democratic gubernatorial nominee Stacey Abrams' chances of ousting Kemp from office. Kemp is leading Abrams in every single major poll, including a new Marist College poll that shows him with a commanding six-point lead. By contrast, Georgia's Republican Senate nominee, Herschel Walker, is trailing Democratic abortion. They're both, uh, Kemp and Warnock, strongly pro-life. And yet Kemp actually signed the bill that is uh, supposed to be so unpopular and mobilizing so many women. He's winning easily. So what's going on? Uh, Mark Thiessen makes the point. The same thing is true over in Ohio. In 2019, Governor Mike DeWine signed a law that bans abortion after fetal cardiac activity is detected around six weeks into a pregnancy. Since the Dobbs decision, women have outpaced men in new voter registrations by 11 points in Ohio. Yet DeWine is leading his opponent by 17 points in the real clear politics average. While uh, Republican Senate nominee J.D. Vance is statistically tied with his Democratic opponent, Representative Tim Ryan, leading by just 1.2 two points in the real clear politics average and trailing by six tenths of a point in the 538 average. Why is Vance struggling while DeWine, who's directly responsible for Ohio's abortion restrictions, not struggling at all, but cruising to re-election victory? And that's not all. He points out in New Hampshire, Governor Chris Sununu signed a 24-week abortion ban last year. Yet he is leading his opponent by 20 points, Republican, leading by 20 points in the 538 average. While retired Brigadier General Don Bolduc, the Republican Senate nominee, is trailing uh, the vulnerable Democratic Senator Maggie Hassan by seven points. Abortion is also not the reason Republican Mehmet Oz is trailing Democrat John Fetterman, a man who had a stroke and struggles to put coherent sentences together. You know what? He struggles before the stroke, too. Hate to say it. Uh, he's um, uh, John Fetterman, who can't debate, is too ill to debate, or they're making special arrangements for him to have the words spelled out on a screen so he can actually read them because apparently he has auditory problems in any event. Fetterman's winning in the Senate race in Pennsylvania seven by seven points. It's not the reason in Arizona that Republican Senate candidate Blake Masters is trailing his Democratic opponent by an average of seven points. In each case, the GOP is trailing because it nominated weak candidates who are struggling for reasons that have nothing to do with abortion.
Right now, Republicans enjoy the most promising political environment in decades, writes Mark Thiessen. Biden is one of the most unpopular presidents at this point in his tenure since Harry S. Truman. On his watch, we've experienced the worst inflation in 40 years, the fastest drop in real wages in four decades, the highest gas prices ever recorded, the biggest rise in food price, prices since 1979, the worst crime wave in many cities since the 1990s, and the worst border crisis in U.S. history. If Republicans can't capitalize on that series of fiascos, then they need to take a good look, hard look, in the mirror. Indeed, the Dobbs decision, he writes, could not have come at a better moment for the GOP. If the court had ruled when the economy was strong, inflation was low, crime was under control, and the border was secure, things might be different. But today, writes Mark Thiessen, the only Americans who have the luxury of voting on abortion are affluent liberal elites who are insulated from the economic disasters besetting the rest of the country. Look, I think that's smart. And I think there is a lot to that. When you go around and you look at some of the Republican governors who are doing exceptionally well and the gubernatorial candidates who are doing exceptionally well, the uh, governors who actually signed abortion bills are fine. Uh, because, again, the, the end of the world sort of scenario that people had predicted for Georgia and for Ohio and for other states that would tighten abortion restrictions just haven't happened. It hasn't been that that all-time disaster that uh, that people expected that would mobilize uh, scores and scores and scores and scores of women. 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. And uh, uh, here in the state of Washington, it's fascinating that uh, right now we have a barn burner of a race with uh, Tiffany Smiley, the Republican nominee who no one had heard of. I mean, literally no one a year ago. And she did well in the primary. She became the Republican nominee, in, in effect, uh, in, in our uh, top two primary system state. And right now, she has continued in poll after poll after poll to have kept Patty Murray uh, down below 50%, which for an incumbent senator who's been there since the Pleistocene era, and she's this is her sixth run for the U.S. Senate. And she's gotten away uh, unscathed in, in the past. But right now, she has a big challenge. And uh, she actually just won an award uh, that I, I think is going to have some impact on this campaign. Is uh, the Washington Post gives out their four Pinocchios award for the most conspicuous liars you can find on the political scene. And uh, Senator Patty Murray, uh, Republican from Washington, uh, may not win the election. But she's already won the Four Pinocchios Award for saying what? We'll uh, highlight that and uh, make it very clear why everyone agrees it's a terrible lie and a scary lie. We'll be right back on The Medved Show.
Okay, it's true. Uh, the four Pinocchios award that's handed out by the Washington Post and by their chief fact checker, uh, whose name is Glenn Kessler, and who, by the way, is no conservative. He's just somebody who likes to get out the truth when someone tells uh, an appalling lie. I mean, it's just an appalling lie. And uh, as a matter of fact, this is uh, something that not only deserves a uh, uh, this particular award, the Four Pinocchios Award, it, it deserves an even more prestigious award, our Golden Turkey Award. Bigger than the Academy Awards. First and foremost, I'd like to thank God. Groovier than the Grammys. I would like to thank my wonderful agent. And more powerful than the People's Choice. I would like to share this with every single senator. Now, it's time for another Golden Turkey Award nomination. And particularly, this, uh, this Golden Turkey Award nomination is not only in honor of Senator Patty Murray, uh, the uh, once-to-be six-term senator from the state of Washington. She's already served five meaningful, wonderful, heroic terms. But uh, it's also meant to honor my uh, my brother, Harry, who is a co-inventor with, with me, uh, 40 years ago of the Golden Turkey Awards. And glad to see that they're still alive and well. And uh, uh, the... And Harry's coming up for a visit for uh, my birthday at the end of the week. So that's that's part of the connection there. Okay. Uh, Patty Murray, what did she do to earn this prestigious prize? Uh, she tweeted on Sunday in, uh, and this is part of her, her really shocking attempt to go after this heroic nurse who is a newcomer to politics, has been just terrific. She's a wonderful candidate. She'll make a great U.S. senator. And Patty Murray tweeted the following. And it's not the tweet of the day because it was actually yesterday. Uh, not yesterday. It was Sunday when this tweet came out. Feels like yesterday. Um, and she said, Senator Murray, Republicans plan to end Social Security and Medicare if they take back the Senate. Okay, just think about how stupid you have to be if you believe that. I mean, first of all, if you take back the Senate uh, and you don't have the House and you don't have the presidency, how are they going to go through the enormous uh, challenge of getting rid of Social Security and Medicare? And this is one thing, by the way, Donald Trump, uh, he said a lot of wild and crazy things when he was running for president both times. He was always crystal clear about his support for Social Security and Medicare. He did a better job on that aspect of things than a lot of Republicans have done. Re Democrats have always done this. Remember they had a, an ad uh, that came out when the uh, Democrats were running to take back control of Congress in uh, 2018, and uh, they had a, a an ad with Paul Ryan uh, pushing Granny off a cliff. You remember this? Uh, that was um, yeah part of what what they featured. 
But uh, Glenn Kessler, who is the Post fact checker, uh, said that uh, Murray's tweet was a meta scare attack to win over senior voters. Don't worry, seniors, there is no such plan. Uh, Kessler outlined the Democrats' long history of unsubstantiated attacks towards Republicans over intentions to gut Social Security and Medicare, stressing that the new attacks going into the November elections are just as empty as all the previous attacks. The uh, Murray campaign told Kessler, one of uh, Tiffany Smiley's biggest champions is Rick Scott, who leads the Republican National Senatorial Committee and wrote its agenda, which proposes gutting Social Security and Medicare. No, it's, it's actually cutting. And it's not an agenda that anyone in the Republican Party supports except for Rick Scott. And certainly not Tiffany Smiley. I mean, I, again, her whole career has been as a nurse. You think she she really wants to get rid of Social Security and Medicare at this point? If Republicans like Smiley disagree, they should call on Rick Scott to be removed as chair or stop taking money from the National Republican Senate Committee, which Tiffany Smiley has refused to do. We are absolutely going to make sure Tiffany Smiley is held accountable for how the official Senate Republican campaign agenda would harm uh, Washington seniors. Okay, does anyone think about this for a moment? Does anyone honestly believe that even if the Republicans do win control of the Senate, if Tiffany Smiley is that crucial vote or one of two crucial votes that puts the Republicans over the top, that uh, uh, they are going to eliminate Social Security? Uh, Kessler then uh, outlined how Scott's Rescue America plan, which proposed all federal legislation sunsets in five years unless renewed by Congress, was widely rejected by GOP leadership. It was opposed by Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and everybody else. He also noted that Scott himself stressed he did not want to end Social Security and Medicare. Murray's staff also cited a quote from Lindsey Graham, who said back in January... If Republicans win back the Senate, quote, I will do everything in my power to make sure we have a vote on a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution. Suggesting, uh, and, and Mary's staff said that if we had a balanced budget amendment, that would ruin Medicare. And that would ruin Social Security. Okay, they're two separate things. Lizzie Graham isn't in favor of eliminating Social Security or gutting it. Uh, Kessler rebuffed Murray's evidence by calling Graham's proposed vote as a pure show of political messaging, since it would need the support of 67 senators, two-thirds of the House lawmakers, and three-fourths of the states. By the way, I, I think that of the constitutional amendments people talk about from time to time, balanced budget amendment is one that might, just might, have a real chance if it's well drawn. Um, Galen Cluster wrote this, that uh, Murray tweeted that if Senate Republicans win control of the Senate, they plan to end Social Security and Medicare. But as evidence, her staff can only point to statements by a pair of Senate Republicans that have earned little support among their colleagues. The presumptive Senate Republican leader explicitly rejected the idea. 
Moreover, in both cases, the senators insisted that they were not trying to eliminate the programs, but instead to bolster their shaky financial underpinnings. Whether such actions would reduce benefits is open to debate, but it's not the same thing as ending the programs. This is yet another example, wrote Glenn Kessler in the Washington Post, in which Democrats strain to conjure up a non-existent GOP plan regarding Social Security and Medicare. Murray earns four Pinocchios. Okay, she certainly does uh, earn them. And if she ever gets around to actually debating Tiffany Smiley, it'll be very, very telling. And uh, I, I hope somebody brings up that kind of question. Why is it after five terms in the Senate, with all kinds of ways you can look at her record and distort her record, and she knows how these games are played, to do something like this, it seems to me, is just a, um, an expression of desperation. And it's not worthy of the Senate. It's not even worthy of Senator Murray, who uh, I, I am very glad to see is in the midst of a very, cons uh, very competitive race. Uh, you go, Tiffany Smiley. Uh, I'll tell you something that didn't go very well is uh, there's a, um, a headline over at The Wrap, which looks at the entertainment industry, and the headline says, Worry, Darling. That's a play on the title of the number one movie in the country over the weekend, uh, Don't Worry, Darling. It says, Worry, Darling, September box office plummets to the worst levels in 25 years. And I, because I spent a lot of time watching movies, you kind of notice a pretty bad crop of movies we've been having recently. But it's astonishing when you actually look at the numbers. People just aren't going back, at least right now. What will it take to get them back? What would it take to get you back? We will discuss that and the dangers of the cult of celebrity with Bill O'Reilly coming up right here in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth.